we are flipped. <clears throat> uh, as thank you, as Bill sees it, on uh, two hundred and eighty-four, it says the idea of twenty-four hour living applies primarily to the emotional life of the individual. Emotionally speaking, we must not live in yesterday or in tomorrow. This whole weekend, the whole premise, the whole idea for us getting up here was to talk about emotional sobriety, to give you guys the tools to change your life and then go out and change everybody else's life. Uh, 12 and 12 says, when we approach step 10, we commence to put our AA, well, speaking, to put our AA way of living into uh, practical use. Day by day, in fair weather or foul, then comes the acid test. Can we stay, sto- stay sober? keep an emotional balance, and live to good purpose under all conditions. A continuous look at our assets and liabilities and a real desire to learn and grow by this means are necessities for us. For the wise have always known that no one can make much of this life until self-searching becomes a regular habit, until he is able to admit and accept what he finds, and until he patiently and persistently tries to correct what is wrong. That's what this deal is about. And from Alcoholics Anonymous comes of age. Um, in Alcoholics Anonymous, unless each A member follows the best of his ability, the suggested 12 steps of recovery, he almost certainly signs his own death warrant. Drunkenness and disintegration are not penalties inflicted by people in authority. They are the result of personal disobedience to the spiritual principles. We must obey certain principles or we die. The same stern threat applies to the group itself. Unless there is approximate conformity to A's tradition, the group too can deteriorate and die. So we, if we in AA do disobey spiritual principles, first because, excuse me, so we of A do obey spiritual principles, first because we must and ultimately because we love the kind of life such obedience brings. Great suffering and great love are A's disciplinarians. We have no other. We've offered you, I'm sorry? That was uh, page 119, second paragraph. We've offered you two doors. You know, the same two doors that the big book offers. Door number one, live, a di- live an alcoholic, dying, suffering death. Door number two, live spiritually and have great love. A love that you cannot possibly imagine what it will do to you. But it, there's a price to be paid for that. It means repeated inventories. Uh, from page 250 of the same book, it says, A single act of surrender can produce sobriety by its stopping effect upon the ego. Unfortunately, the ego will return unless the individual learns to accept a disciplined way of life which means that a tendency for the ego to come back is permanently checked. This is not new to AA members. They have learned that a single surrender is not enough. The 12 steps, repeated inventories, not just one, and 12-stepping itself, a a routine reminder that one must work at deserving sobriety, are all essential. Moreover, it is referred to as 12-step work, which is exactly what it is. But this time, the miracle is for the older fellow. Only through hard toil and labor can a lasting results be obtained? That's the deal. There's a price to be paid for this weekend. It's time for you guys to pay your price. Make a difference. Make this worth something. You know. And I always end it, my, my sharing, I used to usually end it with a, a poem. And uh, somebody was talking about a medallion. Actually, three people have talked to me about medallions. And this is called, I Carry a Chip in My Pocket. I carry a chip in my pocket, a simple reminder to me of the fact that I am a drunk no matter where I might be. This little chip is not magic, nor is it a good luck charm. It isn't meant to protect me from emotional or physical harm. When I put my hand in my pocket to bring out a coin or a key, the chip is there to remind me of the price I pay to be free. To acquire a foundation to stay sober, 
I must surrender self-will. Asking help from a higher power and allowing my mind to be still. A service commitment at meetings and listening to what my sponsor does say. A quiet prayer asking for guidance at the start and the end of each day. The chip reminds me to be grateful for my sobriety one day at a time and to be thankful to my higher power that my illness is not a crime. It is also a daily reminder of the peace and comfort I share with all other sober drunkards who walks with his loving care. So I carry a chip in my pocket reminding no one but me that by turning my will over to him, he has brought me sobriety. Thank you for the privilege. And I do mean privilege to be here and share with you guys. Remember, I am just a drunk like any of you. There's nothing special about me. There's everything special about you. You have the ability to save other people's lives. Not only do you have the ability, you've been charged because I am responsible when anyone, anywhere, reaches out for help. I want the hand of A always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. There's too few of us in the trenches doing this deal. But I believe that the power and the love I felt this weekend, we can change the world. And that's why I was here, and that's why I am so grateful to include you in my family and say thank you for being here for me. And I would love for some of you to share with me your experiences with 10 and 11 and how God has changed your life. Thank you for the opportunity. The rest of the meeting is yours. We got uh, a mic over here and a hand way in the back there. Thank you. Thank you. It's not on. Let's try it again. Is the other one on? That's the problem. There you now go. I'm on. Yeah, you're on. I am a recovering uh, alcoholic. You mean recovered alcoholic, right? Recovered alcoholic. There you go. Not spiritually recovered until I go home and make my amends to my old school teacher. Then hopefully I'll be spiritually recovered as well. Um, I want to thank uh, uh, Dave and Brenda so much. Um, um, when I first met you guys, uh, I can remember leaving, leaving the couples meeting saying to, to, my, to Linda, um, are they for real? Do people really live like that? And over the next few times of going to this couples meeting, um, I was asking people, is he for real? Do people really do that kind of stuff? And then, um, and, and then a problem arose. I ain't going to go into it. I don't remember exactly. But they came in and they had a little problem. And I was like, wow, they are real. You know, because at first I've heard so many people at meetings um, talk the talk. But then I see them on the outside not walk the walk. And it's like, you know, I've dumped sponsors. I've outgrew sponsors. Um, and then um, I had gotten a tape from, uh, actually, I got it from Fred, somebody that Dave and I know. And uh, it was actually your tape. And uh, every day I listened to that tape. Day in, day out, wherever I went, that tape was on. Um, and started listening to spiritual radio instead of, Headbanging music for the Beatles and all that other stuff, and slowly, um, slowly, like road rage would slip from me, 
Um, I remember I was going to school, uh, uh, you know, a long ways away from my house, and uh, I just go bonkers out on the road. And I can remember the first spiritual experience I had with this was I couldn't be road rage listening to spiritual music. I was in this, found myself in a slow lane. Just I remember, remember me sharing this, coming home like, wow, what a trip! <laughs> it was like so great, and I got home around the same time. <laughs> it was like this is crazy, you know. And all my life was like go 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 go, and um, it's just great. And you know, I don't know. Um, and and you talked about how it just like glowed out of me or just came out of me. Um, I just went on retreat uh, last weekend as well. A, a spiritual retreat that I go on, a Matt Talbert retreat. And one of my old sponsors, who, who I didn't like the practice that I seen him living, after the retreat, or like almost to the end of the retreat, he goes, what in the hell happened to you? And I said, what are you talking about? He says, I don't know, there's something different. And it's because of your tape. And it's because of the program. It's because of God and letting him into my life. Um, and I can remember first asking to be my sponsor, and you told me to go home and do this stuff in this book. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Come nobody else ever told me this stuff in this program. And I say it even, I was even saying it over this weekend, you know, this past weekend. Not this weekend, last weekend. Like, it's like not working my program, which I used to say all the time, stay out of my program. And I came to realize it isn't my program. And I've been coming around here nine years. And, and I used to have this uncomfortable feeling in me all the time. I can share it with Linda many times that she'd be like, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. I just don't feel right. I don't feel comfortable in my skin. And, and by the grace of God, I feel comfortable in my skin today. And it's just a miracle. Um, and I hope that, um, that I'm able to share some of this with other people. Um, your tapes are with my, my new sponsor, which has just as much time as I do. We both came into the program at the same time. And at first he was like, I remember he, and this is like one of those coincidences that I know aren't coincidence today. Uh, I hadn't seen him for a few years because I stopped going to this particular meeting, and he only goes to one a week. And he was in a broken relationship, and he comes to me, and uh, I meet him at the meeting, and uh, we exchange. We have these next phones, you know, walkie-talkie deals, and we exchange numbers because he happened to have one. And it wasn't like about a week, a week and a half later, just something told me, call him and see how he is. And I just called him, he says, can we meet for lunch? We met for lunch, and it's just a miracle how, how we've been bonded together. Uh, thanks. Way in the back, all the way at the back wall. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Chris. I'd like to thank uh, Dave and Mark. Uh, I know when I came up here this weekend, my committee meeting, or whatever it is, was really trying to be cynical and trying to not feel things, and I definitely have felt things. That's a miracle. Uh, I just wanted to share um, something that happened last night when we went up to the grave site. Uh, five years ago, I was the first, in my fifth year of sobriety, came up here for the first time, and I thought, you know, the program was kind of like the dollar therapy kind of program where I was going to meetings and felt recovered and I was told by a lot of sponsors, you know, just keep going to meetings you'll be alright and that's what I did I didn't know better, I still have trouble understanding the big book and uh, 
I, I made a promise to myself that if I stayed sober till 10 years, I'd come back up. And this was my 10th year. And uh, it was really weirdest. I read a lot of literature, and uh, there was like a real symbolic moment last night when we went to the gravesite and met up there for the meditation. Uh, I was positive Bill Bill's grave was like right near the road from my last trip, and it blew my mind that it was further up the hill, and it took longer to get to it, and it was like such a symbolic moment for my struggle. And, uh, you know, further down the road. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, I think I, you know, just maybe just having that, I felt like I was in a bit of a spiritual dead end before the weekend. But I think just the focus back on how the self inhibits a lot of the gifts here, that I'll, you know, I think I got a little bit of direction. And thanks for that. Thank you. Would somebody just pass the mic to the people with the hands in the air? The lady in white. Hi, I'm Nancy. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Nancy. Um, I want to thank my higher power for a huge spiritual weekend. It's been great. And I'm going to take a lot of this home. Um, I sort of feel like I'm like whatever, hitting bottom again <laughs> this weekend, to put it mildly. And so I've been in 10 years, and in the past I've had great experiences with 10-step. And the way I was thinking about it with ten step is is every night I would you know look it over and uh, and slowly over time without criticizing myself with totally loving myself I would get rid of habits and I would clean up my life and you know it was just like I was walking on air I would it was just amazing so I'm all for ten step and hopefully I'll, I should say and I and I want to go home now and, and put these disciplines into my life and stop using my excuses for not doing the disciplines because um, they're not worth it thanks. Thanks, Nancy. Uh, over here on the right. Oh, we got plenty of time. Yeah, we got 15 minutes. I mean, hi, my name is Pat. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Pat. I uh, <clears throat> real grateful. Thanks for uh, guys were uh, wonderful this uh, this weekend, and uh, I was trying to fight it back, fight it off, and just say I'm gonna. You know, just get filled up with knowledge. I'm not going to get overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm not going to get spiritually, emotionally sucked in. I'm just going to... And... Uh, but you got me. <laughs> you got me right at the end, Dave. I got to tell you. That poem just uh, was like an arrow in my heart. And I said, oh, there you go. And... Uh, I felt you, brother. I love you. So, uh, I don't know, I, I just uh, have to share my experience. And uh, my, you know, I, I thought of that, I thought of what, what you said, and it hit me from where I, from the godless person I was when I came in here to where I am today. And uh, there's some things that you, sh you guys shared about the uh, meditation, prayer meditation, how it has to change and grow. And I just thought of over the years where I, I came from, from an early, uh, early childhood being, uh, being godless, being almost uh, anti, you know, where I would 
I would go down to the rectory as a teenager, drunk, and throw bottles at the at the rectory and, and holler to the priest to come out because I wanted to fight him. I blamed them for things in my life. Um, as a, as an early child, uh, my father was murdered in front of our family, and. Uh, I blame God for that for a lot, a lot of years, and uh, I wasn't going to get with the God thing. So when I first came in, beaten by under the lash, beaten by uh, alcohol and drugs, I uh, I use you people for, for the God of my understanding, and uh, but I knew I couldn't. I, I couldn't make that work because there'll be times where I'd push you all the way and you couldn't get to me. And I'd sit alone and I'd be in trouble. God became Red Cloud, an Indian chief, a chieftain, a warrior. And he evolved from there. I hadn't sleep a full night for 30 something years. I was diagnosed with. Uh, with uh, post-traumatic stress and all that. And uh, a year or two ago, we did some serious, serious work. And uh, I took it to the shrine of St. Joseph. And I prayed for uh, God to remove that from me. And today, where I, where I had my uh, television and I stayed up all night smoking a carton of cigarettes and on and off with the TV, I... Uh, I have a shrine. I have uh, Mother Mary. I have pictures of my childhood. Pictures of my dad. Pictures of people that I have problems with today. And uh, prayer and uh, meditation become a, a huge part of my life. And uh, today I, I, um, I'm blessed. I sleep eight hours a day. Um, God has granted me with uh, the love of my life and uh, moving on to a uh, another dimension. And uh, I celebrated eight years last week and I got a coin in my pocket from Bill Wilson's grave for the eight-year coin. And when you read the coin, I just, the price we paid for the coins. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. She's got a mic. The lady on the right. There you go. Hi, I'm Mary. I'm Hi, an Mary. alcoholic. Um, I just wanted to share my experience of this weekend, um, starting with sharing, because I'm terrified to share, and I always have been, and I realized this weekend how selfish that is, because um, <laughs> you know, I'm just taking, taking, taking. So it's a new day, and... So here I am, and um, I think one of the important things that happened with me is um, in my experience 
in the program, I've, I was, um, cel- I'm celebrating my ninth year this year, I mean this month. Um, and given the tools from the 12 steps um, to work with, I thought it was a great thing, but after this weekend I realized that um, there are more tools than I ever realized. And one of the most helpful things to me was really um, that I'm thinking about right now was the forgiveness, the part about forgiveness and how many people I thought I forgave and from so many old experiences from the past that I really thought I had let go and forgave these people, but somehow, you know, they I, I didn't forget them, but I never, ever thought of it that way. And um, this weekend's really cleared a lot up for me in that, in that sense, that, oh, okay, you know, I, I see that. You know, I see that. And that, last night I was so excited, you know, I was sharing with my friends this it felt like this amazing weight that was lifted from me. And I thought that had already happened, but it hadn't. And so I, I just, it's such a gift because I feel like I know a little more what that feels like. And um, I feel so hopeful that with all of these added tools that I feel like I have, that I can now try and take them and apply them to so many of these other things that it's such a gift and I feel very lucky. Thank you. Somebody over here on the left. Mike, is that you? Yeah. Hi everyone, my name is Mike. I am an alcoholic. Hey Mike. I don't know about anyone else in here, but um, when I hear a piece of truth, um, it, it touches a part of me that, that's, that's not in my head and sometimes I don't even so much hear it hear it with my ears, but um, I guess Mark and Joe's tapes showed up in my life probably somewhere around 97 or 98, and Bill and I came in contact with a lot of big book study stuff uh, around that time, and or actually before that, and then uh, we began to uh, want to start having an experience with the big book rather than just studying it and, and, uh, and living this deal. But uh, I called up Mark about a, a year and a half ago, and, and I said, you know, I should probably be arrested for, for stalking you. Uh, I, could, I could probably start a, a taping company just from all your tapes alone, and uh, I know a bit more about you than, than any one person should even know about themselves. And, you know, and... Uh, and uh, Dave showed up in my life a couple years ago, and that's a whole other story unto itself. And I met Mark for the first time uh, at, at Fellowship of the Spirit. I, you know, like I said, I felt like I knew the man, and and I did. Uh, I, I think our our spirits knew each other, and uh, but I'd never met him face to face until last summer, and I, I remember going up to him during one of the breaks and just talking about this earth-shattering thing. I don't even know what it was at the time. And uh, I must have rambled on for about five or ten minutes, and he probably smoked about two or three cigarettes while I was talking. And uh, 
all he did was, when I was all done, all he did was look me in the eyes and, and he said one word and, and, and he said, mindfulness, and he walked away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and that stuck with me and I began to do some practices out of that. Um, but in, uh, in 1998, it was pretty much made clear to me who, uh, who I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Um, and it, this is all about nine, and this is all about ten and eleven, and uh, you know it, it, it's funny. I, I, I did not choose my wife, Kathy. I, I did not choose to be with the love of my life. She just kind of showed up in my life, and 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 the magic happened. And uh, for any of you that know us, there's a, there's a significant age difference between us. So that whole thing and, and some other things caused some problems on, on my family side. And uh, to make a long story even longer, <laughs> we got engaged and, and set a wedding date for October of 99 and uh, somewhere around that time, I had asked my father to to be my best man, and and he was one of the main a- advocates that uh, that I do not marry this woman, and uh, but he did agree to be my best man. And a couple months later, he said, "Mike, I, I just can't support you in something that that I don't believe in, so I, I can't be your best man." And and uh, and it was around that time that that Floyd showed up in my life, and Dave showed up in my life, and. And Mark and I began to communicate over the internet, and and uh, so stuff began to happen, like whatever, and uh, a lot of inventories began to happen, and and that's when uh, when I really began to get a hold of of this third column of inventory, and got with Dave and the, and went through the whole committee thing, and uh, I mean I I went I went from calling my dad at least twice every week to. Sometimes six weeks going by, and we had no communications. And and uh, and Dave began to teach me about a, a unified front with with my soon-to-be wife. And you know, the spiritual journey is about sacrifice, and it's about just being about being stripped. Sometimes stripped naked, and. Uh, I thought that I would never have a relationship with my father. I thought I would never have a relationship with my aunt. I thought I would never have a relationship with my grandmother again, who's going to be 95 this come, come in September. But because of spiritual principles, and not just a belief in, but a direct experience with God, I was ready to sacrifice those things for for the woman that I loved and so we made a decision to get married and and uh, and we did that October of 99 and and uh Dave was in the wedding and and George who's here was in the wedding and uh my sponsor at the time Howard was my best man and and uh my father didn't show up and the aunt didn't show up and I only had two Two family members, uh, excuse me, three of my family members there, but I had my AA family there. 
You know, I asked Mark one time, where is God? And, and, he's, and he said what he said this morning, where isn't God? You know, and, uh, and all that kind of worked out. And when our wedding ceremony was done, everyone walked out of the chapel and Kathy and I went out on the balcony and the photographer was already outside and, and uh, she had these roses one for a brother who, uh, um, one for a brother who's deceased, and and uh, one for my grandmother who wasn't there. So she wanted to put these on the statue of Saint Joseph. And when we're out on this balcony, this rainbow just just lit up, man. Like like if <laughs> my conception of God is not the old man upstairs, but if there was an old man upstairs, he. He dropped that rainbow just for us, you know. And uh, sometimes I do need signs and symbols in my life, and that told me everything was okay. And, and Dave kept telling me the whole time that this thing was going down in my family, you know, just keep with the unified front, you know, and and uh, and just do what you believe in, and and do the and and keep working this deal, and keep writing inventory, and and, and that. And I began to work with prayer and meditation. And, and uh, you know, about a, a year ago, my father called us up on a Sunday morning and, and he said, Mike, sometimes Sundays I, I get really lonely and, and, and I'm just sick of going to the racetrack. And, and uh, can I come over and visit you guys? And he's never stopped coming over our house since. He's home now with our dog and cat and watching the house. <laughs> this program changes lives. 10 and 11 continues to change my life and, and uh, everything I just shared, that's all about 10 and 11. Thanks. Thanks Mike, we got two hands up here on the left. And then where's the other mic? Back, oh, you, oh, you, okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead right now, Matthew Alcoholic? I'm I just asking. wanted to say thanks. It's been a long, um, a long time since I first met Mark in uh, the first step workshop out in Breckenridge in '93, and I listened to he and Joe, and to kind of follow that since then has really been amazing. Um, but I wanted to say thank you for your example and for your encouragement and for your continued seeking. Uh, to know that there's somebody further up the line to see the holy man and to watch the watch that change, um, but it's different from sitting in that steam room when you're talking about being a spiritual gunfighter with this towel around your waist. <laughs> 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 uh, and for Dave for being the example that you are in, in my life, uh, for the encouragement you offer to remember that I am a holy person, that I am chi- God's child, and all the stuff on my inventory is what I'm not. Um, but I also wanted to give a word of encouragement. I came here to be spiritually fed this weekend, and I'm stuffed. I'm like, I, I got to go. I can't wait to get home. There's people I got to I gotta go to Kinko's. I got to copy these exercises. Oh, come on. <laughs> I got stuff I got to do. Um, <laughs> there's people going to want to hear about this, right? You know, no, no. Um, in December of 97, I, I was current. I finished all the amends that I was consciously aware of at that time, and, and my life exploded. In, in four months, I was in four different workshops, and I was guiding all these people through the steps and going through them and swapping fifth steps. 
and swapping amends lists and things. And one of the things I found was, you know, the book says a great reality lives deep down within each one of us. Mm-hmm. And from that experience, I mean, I'm a spiritual glutton, like no surprise. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I found was my conception of God lives deep down inside everybody I'm working with. And I need to see that reflected back to me um, when I'm working with somebody. And there's there's a lot of hobbies I'd like to have, you know, playing the guitar or doing karate. There's nothing like sitting down with a drunk and watching the lights actually come on and seeing the power of God work in front of me. Because um, I know a lot of us will leave this weekend and you go home, it's like, is this going to work? Does this really work? And there's all the doubt, and you're carrying the doubt and prejudice into your new experience and stuff. Um, but to go home and watch it work and take it to somebody else and go, oh, that's why they told me this. That's why this happened. That's why this works. Uh, you know, it's it's really, that's where the amazing thing is, to watch it pay off, to watch somebody's life get transformed. And I, I can't sit up here. I could spend hours telling you about all the people that have had their lives transformed and stuff, and it wasn't me. It was God. And partially, I know that because I can't remember all of them. You know? um, but I wanted to say thanks to you all for coming for this kind of spiritual body and the word of encouragement was to... If there's somebody that's touched you, like talking to Dan when we first got here and knowing I'm going to Maine to the Northeast Fellowship of the Spirit next month. Um, if there's somebody that's touched you, and I got this from Dave, you know, when you're doing a 12-step call, don't just give the guy your number. Get his number and call him and go, What's, what are you up to? How are you doing? You know, if they've invited me into their lives, maybe they're starting to give me that spiritual license. Like there's there's some something I'm supposed to be here. Uh, and thanks for the opportunity for being able to do that with some of you this weekend. You've 12-stepped me uh, back into the Fellowship of the Spirit here. Thank you. Nice. Gene. Uh, I'm an alcoholic, and uh, my name is Gene. Yeah, no, I'm here. Uh, I want to thank both of you, uh, Mark and, uh, and Dave, for this whole weekend. Um, Mark's just, uh, his insightfulness has just been like, uh, like the waves of the ocean, just uh, washing over me and, uh, and cleansing me. Uh, I want to thank uh, also Dave for uh, for giving me the uh, the Bill Wilson exercise, uh, and the part that I never identified with was pretty much sums up this whole weekend. It says uh, simple but not easy. The price had been paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. It must turn everything over to the Father of Light, who presides over all of us. And um, I just want to say thanks, Dave, for showing me how to do the uh, the ten step properly. And uh, for all your advice, I, I've shared it. Uh, some of your advice that, that you've given me, um, not voluntarily, but uh, forcefully, and um, in the situations that prevailed, you know. And um, you know, you, you know that I had a head-on collision uh, with a tractor trailer in, in January of 2000, and it was a Mack tractor, and I liked it so much that um, in April of this year I had a second head-on collision with a Mack tandem dump truck, so I'm moving down in the world that way. You know? And um, when, I'm, when, I'm sitting, when I was sitting in the uh, vehicle... Did you learn the lesson yet? Well, here's the lesson. Um, don't give anybody a ride is the lesson that you taught me, you know. No, um, I'm sitting in the vehicle, and the uh, patrolman uh, is in the seat behind me holding my neck so I don't move and all. And um, he has both hands around my, around my neck and all, um, and he says to me the distinguished words of, you seem a little tense. <laughs> and I said to him, well, I've never been thrilled by having a Mack truck meet my car twice in, in, in a year's time. And I said, I've also never been thrilled with having a police officer's hands around my neck. <laughs> so he, uh, he said to me, well, I'll get even with this guy. And I said, yeah, you're going to beat him up with your pen, aren't you? He says, that's the only way I can get to him is, is with a pen and all. 
He says, but what's that on your dash up there? And I said, what do you mean? He says, that little saying. And that pretty much sums up what, what this whole thing is, is that uh, you made me write on my dash, what I want doesn't matter. He says, what does that mean? I said, it doesn't matter. But this, this weekend did matter to me. Thank you so very much for both of you. Appreciate it. Hi, everybody. My name is Rich. I'm an alcoholic. I, I wanted to thank Dave and Mark for, for coming up here this time. I saw them the first time in August last year in New York City. And um, what I got from that weekend was Mark mentioned the, um, that discipline is the horse he rides. And um, I'm happy to report that since that retreat, every night I've, I've done a written review, and every morning I, I've done a 24-minute meditation. And my life hasn't gotten wonderfully better, but, but, but I've been through some of the toughest points of my life, and, and I, I'm no longer suicidal, and I no longer feel alone when, when going through those points. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention is the 12-step, which we didn't really touch um, much this weekend, although I think going through all of the steps, we, we sort of touch on 12. But another great thing that came from that weekend, and I think it was Mark, that said, only go where invited. And, and before last August, I was out there trying to convince old-timers that I was right and they were wrong. And that was getting me nowhere. And, and I, I just went back to my home and just started to pick off newcomers one at a time and, and, and just try to help them through their day and not even try to force the book on them. And eventually, before I knew it, I had six or seven guys that, that wanted to work with me. And, and I'm really starting to, to grow a fellowship up um, around me and, and it's a wonderful we have a wonderful time in New York we, we have 55 meetings a week at my home group and there's all shapes and sizes of people that come through that door um, but if you're ever in the neighborhood you can walk in and sure enough you'll find Dennis and I there laughing our ass off having a good time and I think really that's what our my God wants me to do he wants me to have fun with this stuff so I'm grateful I'm here thanks my name's Greg I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Greg. Uh, it's been a very emotional weekend for me. Um, what happened to me was about two years ago, I met this gentleman. He come to the uh, state convention. Excuse me. At 11 years sober, I was dying of untreated alcohol. Um, what was happening was, what was happening was, I was just existing. Okay, I had the house, had the money, had the good job, working 12, 13 hours a day. Um, what happened was, me and my wife, Diane, we were just existing. I mean, we were in the same house, but we weren't together. Um, this is real hard for me. Uh, and what he did was, I was talking to him, and he says, uh, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to sit down, I want you to meditate twice a day. And he says, I want you to watch your thought life. I said, what, what is he talking about? You know, because I, I, I read the big book, never seen that, okay, but it's in there. And that's what I did. And what happened was through prayer and meditation and doing those disciplines, I got a thirst for God. And then what happened was I started going through the steps. Now, I don't know, this, this is just my experience. I went through the steps in the last two years six times because that's what I had to do. Okay, um, if I would take anybody through the book, 
the thing is, is that I would try to do anything to get them to do anything but this. Okay? But this is the only way that I find works. Um, you know, I got to the first step and, and, and found out that I don't have a choice whether I drink or not. You know? And I hear that a lot in meetings. You know? I have a choice today. I don't. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm standing here right now by the grace of God. Uh-huh. And I got to the second step, and, and there's a paragraph in there, and it says, being doomed to an alcoholic death or living on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives. Are not always easy alternatives. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, what kind of alcoholic death are they talking about? But there ain't but one. And the reason why I was having a tough time with that is because there's, there ain't but two. They're asking me only two questions. Spiritual basis, alcoholic death. And I got to the third step, and I thought, okay, well, I'll do this. But when I got to that fourth step and I really started writing this inventory, that's where I saw what Mark was talking about. My problem is I'm selfish and I'm self-centered. Because in the next step, in the fourth step, it tells me alcohol is but a symptom. My problem is I'm selfish and I'm self-centered. And that's why I've written so much inventory is because I've seen that. And I've seen the harm that it's caused. And I've seen that I have these sick belief systems, and if anybody opposes these belief systems, I get resentful. You know, and I need to sit down with another human being. And I need to talk to him about this, and I need to tell him about that stuff. Because, see, my problem is I like to keep secrets. You know, and I need to tell him about this stuff. And then when I get this six and seven step, I don't do anything. You know, and I hear people say, I hear people say this constantly. You know, I, um, I just do the complete opposite. If I could do that, I wouldn't be here. Okay, and then I have to take that and I have to make my eight-step list. Every one that I've harmed, and I've got to go and I've got to be willing to make those amends. And I've got to go and I've got to make those amends. And, and it, what I'm seeing now is I'm going back through the work again. And what I'm seeing now is the tenth and eleventh step are taking a whole new meaning for me. You know, uh, just a whole new. I mean, it's just. And, and and the gentleman that carried this message to me is that man right there, Mark Houston. And he's like a member of my family. He's he's one of my best friends. And I don't I don't put him on a pedestal, but he is my hero. And I think we need that in this program. I think we need more heroes. You know? And all I've done is he's just given me the directions and I've taken them. And I've gotten to a place that I never could have imagined before. See the reason why I won't work these I wouldn't work these steps is the problem is is that it's a lot of work. And the effect isn't as instantaneous as one drink. That's my problem. You know, it's too much work. But see, if we do this thing, it pays off. I, I got a chance to sit down with a lady at the, or by the fireplace last night, and I got to talk to her. You know, and, and she helped me more than she knows. That's how this works. One alcoholic talking to another alcoholic. And that's what he did with me. He talked to me, and he told me, he says, you know, you're dying. You know, what are you going to do? And I had to do this. And that's all I've got. Thank you. Kevin. How you doing? My name's Kevin. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm honored to be here this weekend. I'm honored by your presence and your enthusiasm. Um. I did not want to come here this weekend when I was first asked. Um, 
one of my sponsees had asked me, so Kev, I signed up months ago, do you want to go? And I'm just like, well, maybe I'll get back to you. I'll check the weather report. If it's snowing, I'm going skiing. <laughs> he actually thought he had a choice in being here, right? <laughs> um, in my new life, uh, snowboarding is my drug of choice. Um, but God does come first. Um, I need you people in my life. I need your enthusiasm, especially the newcomers. Um, thank you. Thank you for uh, finding us and uh, becoming part of your, allowing us to be your family of choice. Thank you, everybody. And alcoholics, if you're like me, and I know you are, um, one of my favorite meetings on planet Earth so far are, is at Jones Beach during the warm months on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m., and they can have upwards of a thousand people at a given meeting in the sand dunes. And um, something just came to me at one meeting there. And um, I was with maybe three people that I knew, but almost a thousand people that I didn't. But I realized, and it's true in this meeting, I've met some people here this weekend with a lot of laughs, some tears. And there's most of you who I haven't met. But you know what? Personally, we don't know each other. But spiritually, you are just like me. I am afraid. I'm scared. I'm scared of looking bad. No, I'm cool, Kev. You don't understand. No. Inside of me, I'm a scared kid. I'm afraid of being found out. I'm afraid of being weak. I'm afraid of failing. This program has allowed me to grow through that. I was uh, had the opportunity to have breakfast this morning across the street. And I love talking to newcomers or someone who just has a year or so. And I love asking them, what's different? What's new? And this gentleman at first kind of like discounted his experience. Oh, not much, blah, 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 blah. Then he, then he shared something with that hit me in the heart. He says, when I go to my dad's grave now, I don't cry anymore. And he says, because of working these steps. I started working these steps only six months in. I know that's a little early, but I had to get through it. And now when I go to my dad's grave, I don't cry anymore. And uh, another amends that I made, a guy sold me a car that I never paid for 20 years ago. And I can never go down the street. I always detour around where he was for 20 years. And what I learned about being our own jailer and our own prisoner this weekend. I, and I told the gentleman, that is beautiful. You have such a message to carry. You know? And it showed me something that... Uh, you know, we discount our, you know, the miracles that we are. And um, I appreciate everybody traveling the miles to get here. It's incredible, you know, from Nantucket, from Maine, to wherever you came from. Thank you for getting here. And may you have a safe journey home. And the last thing I'd like to share is about uh, trying, about the 10th and 11th step, about trying to be an instrument of God's peace and trying to connect with Him every day. As soon as, as, soon as I get up, before this brain engages is to connect with my higher power, to let him know he's the boss and I'm his servant and how to take away my selfish motives so I can better carry out and serve him. Um, I had the opportunity for a speaking commitment recently and it was on a snowy Monday night, so snow wasn't a factor as far as going skiing. But um, <laughs> it was a snowy Monday night and only about 12 people made out to this meeting and uh, I show up with this other gentleman um, he, he spoke first, and then I got up and started to speak. And uh, now remember, you know, I don't want to look bad. You know, and I'm, I'm a tough guy, right? 
So I'm starting to give him my rap, and I'm starting to share my experience. And this guy says from out of nowhere, Hey, I came here to hear about alcohol. I don't hear about drugs. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, man. The first mechanism that goes up inside me is like, Hey, man, F you. Sit down. I've got this phone. <laughs> yeah. But without me thinking, the words came out of my mouth. I said, you know what? You're right. I got off track. I apologize. Let me start over. Wasn't Kevin talking? It's because of me hitting my knees in the morning, first thing, on a regular basis. God came through. Second miracle happened. <laughs> the guy got up again and mouthed off. <laughs> I'm ready to do a tap dance on, his t- on the table, then go and do a tap dance on his ear. <laughs> but again, he says, I, I came to this meeting, and uh, even though it's a speaking meeting, I want to share. What is cool Kev to do? That's great. God comes in and he starts moving my mouth. And he says, you know what, sir? I have another speaking coming up, speaking commitment coming up this Sunday. I would love to invite you. I'd love to have you come with us. Diffuse the whole situation. I got out of the way. It wasn't me. God is with me. God is with all of us. I'd like to thank everybody. I'd like to thank our entrusted servants here for guiding us on our journey, on our pathway back to God. Thank you. We got eight minutes. So why don't you, and somebody get that lady a mic in the back, and, and Dan, why don't you share why she's getting the mic. I'm Dan, alcoholic. I'm from Maine. Um, I really want to thank everyone for being here. Uh, The Lord worked through everyone here. Broke the armor on my heart. Everyone I talked to, you know, God was there. Mark, Dave, Tom, Ozzy, everyone that I've talked with in one form or another, God worked through them on me to break the armor off my heart so I could open it to him and let him into my life. Um, So again, I say thank you to all of you. But most importantly, I say thank you to God for bringing me here, for bringing everyone else that is here, putting them in my life, and showing me a new way. The feeling is just awesome. The only way I can explain it is I feel like a duck that's just been born, cracked out of his shell. By following God's will, he'll give me feathers and the oil needed in my feathers to keep water off my back. It's the only way I can think about it. You know, he'll keep evil out of my life. He'll give me the strength to overcome it. And I just pray that I can deliver his message and help another suffering alcoholic you know, or anyone suffering in any way. I pray that I can, he works through me, I do his will, and somehow help someone every day for the rest of my life. And again, thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Dave. Linda. Hi, my name's Linda. Um, I'm not a member of... Um, Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm a member of Al-Anon. 
And um, I'm really not much different from all of you, except I never put the drink in me. Um, and I just want to thank Dave and Mark. I listened to those tapes with Frank over and over and over. And as I listened to them, I realized that you were also talking to me because I just replaced that word alcohol with all those defects of mine. And um, I am like speechless here. My heart is pounding. I cannot soak up enough of this. And um, I just want to thank you guys for introducing me to my ego. And... Um, <laughs> And um, hopefully I will also get acquainted with all those characters that Dave talked about and work through them because I found out this weekend what is keeping me stuck is me. And um, I just want to thank all of you alcoholics for giving me my life back because without you, I would have never found the program. And um, anybody who doesn't know Al-Anon, we work those same steps as you do. And when I hear the alcoholics talk, I really learn how to work these steps something that, um, I don't know, it might have taken me longer in the rooms of Al-Anon, but I am so grateful to each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you. A hand over here in the... Hi, my name's Ann. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Ann. And I want to thank you both. Um, it's been a really incredible weekend for me and everybody else who's been here and sharing. Um, I grew up Roman Catholic, and I never got it. And I went to church dutifully every Sunday for many years. I even went to convent school for a while. So when I ca first got sober and I walked in and I saw the window shades and I saw God on it, I thought, oh, well, it's not going to work for me. And I didn't stay sober, but... When I finally got it got bad enough, um, and I had five years sobriety, I was actually in Dorset, Vermont, for a couple of months, and uh, walking out, and I thought it was a big success. I'd had a little success. I was walking on this snow-covered golf um, course under the starry night, and I was like breathing, and oh, this is so incredible, and I fell down on my knees, and I said, God, help me, and I started crying, and I thought, what? <laughs> What's the problem here? And that's when I started to meditate because I felt that what we've been talking about, that spiritual like gulf, that emptiness that, that nothing could fill, whole loaves of Wonder Bread that were buttered and stuff, <laughs> that wasn't doing the job. And um, I just had my 23rd anniversary a month ago. And um, there have been periods in my sobriety where it's just been like I have two kids and a wonderful, working, non-alcoholic husband. But where I couldn't, um, or I wouldn't put that first, it just seemed like life was too pressing, and there was even a 10-year period where I only went to like two meetings a week, and I was really on the fringes of the program, although I was sober. And um, I'm an artist. And the one thing when I got sober that I wanted I really wanted it more than my sobriety was to be a working artist. And I would, all I did really was I had this lousy job as a receptionist answering five telephones and meetings. And then I would rush home and I, would tr I just so wanted to do my work. Whatever idea I had, I would say, oh, not that stupid idea. Give me one of my more brilliant ideas. I want, you know, that was my entire life. And for like the first solid three years of my sobriety, not that idea. 
one of my more brilliant ideas. And, and it has, to a greater or lesser extent, dogged me through my sobriety. And um, little by little in the past, I'd say six years, I've been getting more and more back to work. And I've been working with a sort of a script doctor in the past eight months. And she's like very extremely helpful, not in the program, but many of her tools are very sort of spiritual. And in the month of December, I was meditating a lot, and I was also really letting go when I was working. It was just like I was, I was the ant on that leaf in the river. It was just like whatever. It was just like I was in the flow, and it was so much fun, and it was so easy. And what I love is uh, like the difficult life. Like when I'm working the steps, I like to be out there with my pitons and my crampons. I'm like going up Mount Everest. Like I'm really working it. I've got bloody knees. I'm really working the program. (laughs) And in December, this was not the experience. It was so easy. And I, I went to meet with the script doctor and she'd read what I'd been working on. And she said, what did you take? A power pill? (laughs) This is on a whole nother level. And I know that I've, because part of why I've so wanted to do my work as an artist is I know, I feel like this mission, it's like, like a, a calling, like a religious calling, like to be a channel for this higher power. And like Linda just said, this little ego is like, I want to get credit for it. That was my idea. I didn't channel that idea. It was that I was responsible for it. And, and, I, and I've also felt like my work as an artist is separate from my work as a mother and as a sober alcoholic. And this, just sitting in the last 45 minutes, I really saw how they're all one. That is so huge for me to get that it's that the the central thing is the practice of meditation and prayer, and that that will just enable everything else. And and it's I feel like I once had a dream. I was telling my friends last night at dinner that I was on top of the World Trade Center. This was many years ago, and um, I could didn't know how to get down. And finally, I moved and I picked up this little trap door and there was a toolbox in there. And I thought, oh, that's how I get down. And I thought at the time, it's the tools of AA, but I didn't know how to use them. And I feel like you two really have given me an incredible toolbox. And I can't wait to get at it. Thanks. Thank, thank you all. I really appreciate the, uh, <clears throat> the comments and everything. Um, as we wrap up tonight... Uh, I'd like to make an announcement. Um, we're going to, Jane is graciously uh, offered to lead us in Amazing Grace. So we're all going to get up and get into a circle. And we're going to have a moment of silence before we sing Amazing Grace. And um, I don't know about you people, but I always like to turn everything into a prayer. And uh, this year I lost my best friend to cancer. And Jane's mom has cancer. And there's a lot of suffering. And uh, we just got a piece of history part of our AA history died today. Um, Sue Smith Windows, 84, died today in Cayuga Falls, Ohio. She died at her home where her son and daughter-in-law had been caring for her. She declared herself as the first Alateen and often said... I was one short ale of being an alcoholic. Part of AA history died today. So if we could dedicate this weekend and the amazing grace to those who are still sick and suffering in and outside of these rooms and to those who've gone before us who gave us this gift 
And let's uh, close with a moment of silence and amazing grace. Thank you very much.